Have you struggled to get everything done? Have you looked for every trick to be more productive? How much do you really understand about how productivity really works? This is Crushing the Clock, a podcast where we explore the nature of productivity so you can actually get back your time and energy, making a difference in both your personal and professional lives. People don't often see the bigger perspective in their minds like they should be seen. And as a result, they end up doing things that they shouldn't be working on in the first place. And seeing past the barriers of clearly seeing might not be a walk in the park, but it's not all that difficult if you learn to be able to focus your mindset and manage your time like identifying your top priorities. When people break past these barriers, they can be a lot more productive. Emily Sanders joins us today to be able to talk about this. She's currently a C-suite executive in corporate America. She's the founder and primary coach at Next Level Coaching. And she also works with business leaders and entrepreneurs working on their prioritization and time management to make them more productive. Now, she wrote a book earlier last year, actually, in 2020, called Hacking Executive Leadership. And now she joins us on the podcast to talk more about the practical things of managing your time and developing a mental mindset to build a foundation that will enable us to go forward. And specifically, we're going to look at how we can be able to master our time and not just manage it. Thank you, Josh, for having me. Really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. My name is Emily Sander with no S at the end. I currently serve as a C-suite executive in corporate America. I am the founder and primary coach at Next Level Coaching, where I work with business leaders and entrepreneurs and becoming more confident, working on their prioritization and time management, all to make them more productive. And finally, I wrote a book earlier this year called Hacking Executive Leadership. And I'm excited to talk about some different tools and concepts that you would like in this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So I was seeing in your history that you have executive experience as well as the coaching. So when did you get started with down the line of executive work for you personally? Sure. So I've been in different corporate jobs for the last nearly two decades now, and I've been working with different colleagues and executives in that capacity. When I would leave several jobs and companies, when I would look back and say, what's my favorite thing? about working there. It was always the people that I met and how I helped them get to their next level of career trajectory or level of confidence or whatever they were working on. And so that's what made me become an executive coach. And so I formally did that several years ago now, but I was coaching before I knew what a coach was. And so helping leaders be their best because they serve their teams. And when they're at their best, their teams do better and the company does better. That was my initial motivation for getting into that. Okay. So I think that's really interesting. And so this isn't like a entrepreneur or whatever type podcast, but the thing that I think I really want to take away from what you just said there was, I think something that really helped your productivity and help you to be able to figure out what it is that you're doing, which when you do something you love that helps you to be that much more productive in in what you're doing is that you said that you looked back at your previous jobs and evaluated what was your favorite things, what were you best at, and so forth. What prompted you to ask yourself those questions? 
It was honestly a natural reaction. It was, I call it tunnel vision, but when you're in something, you kind of see what's right in front of you and maybe don't keep the bigger perspective in mind as you should. But after the fact, when everything has calmed down, the dust has settled, and you can look back at a role that you had for three years, five years, and see it in its totality, you can really see, hey, it wasn't the client escalation that seemed like the biggest deal in the world at the time. It wasn't us missing Q2 numbers that one year. It was, oh my gosh, I helped Jennifer get to literally her next level of career and and got her promoted. Or, oh, I helped Christian become a better presenter. And he's taken that forward into everything he does. Or, you know, I made a difference. And people have, you know, told me I made a difference when I came and managed the team. And they saw what it was like to have a different type of leader than maybe they previously had. So it was just kind of a natural reflection that I did. And I do that a lot. And I often talk to my clients about when they're down on themselves or when nothing is going right or when they're overwhelmed, stop, zoom out and say, hey, what have you accomplished in the last year? Because I'm sure you have accomplished something. What have you done well in the last year? And they can, when they think about it, they can list off a number of things, but they never think about those or acknowledge that for themselves or give themselves credit for those things. And I think it's important to sometimes take a beat and zoom out and say, hey, what is going well? What have I accomplished in the last year, in the last month, even in the last week? Yeah, I think that's a really important thing for people to be able to really keep in mind and focus on is to be able to learn how to do that, which obviously having a coach helps you be able to do that. Because sometimes when you're in your own head, like you said, you get that tunnel vision, but it's also, so even when you get out of it, sometimes it's hard for you yourself to be able to dig deep enough because at least that's what my observation has been to where it's easy to, you kind of look and you get like one or two levels deep and you never really get deep enough to see the root cause of like, okay, what was it about working with that client that, that helped you be able to get that fulfillment or whatever that feeling is. And a coach can help you be able to dig a little bit deeper because they're like, okay, it seems like there's more there. Why is that? Why is that? And so I think that would be a good thing for people to be able to learn to do, or even potentially hire someone like yourself to help them explore those options. But as we are in our conversation now, what have you seen has helped people be able to break past some of those barriers to where then now they're able to be more productive because whatever these things are, are now out of the way and they're able to go forward. Right. When we talk about time management or prioritization, a lot of people go to the practical and tactical things that you can do, which are great. And we can have plenty of conversation around that. What I Mm -hmm. like to lead the conversation with, or at least incorporate somewhere in that conversation is your approach to how you manage your time and kind of the mental mindset that you have going into it, because that'll give you more bang for your buck, so to speak. So I'd like to start there if that's if that's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I totally agree with that. And on this podcast, I try to be able to share both practical things that people can actually do after they're done listening. But like you said, there's so much more value with having that mindset, being able to have that why and having a foundation as to why, because the tactics can change as technology and environments change and things like that. But if you have that foundation, you can always pivot and still be able to go forward. So yeah, definitely continue that. Awesome. So the first one is play to your strengths. And we talked about this 
just a minute ago. But so there's a two-parter, identify your strengths and play to your strengths. So you can identify what you're good at by asking yourself things like, what comes naturally to you? What do you like doing? What do you lose time doing because you're in the zone, you're in the flow? What do others come to you for? What are you known for? Those types of things. And then delegate, hire, or build a process to the rest. So playing to your strengths is important for two main reasons. One, you get further faster in what you're doing because you're good at it. And secondly, if you spend time doing things that are not in your area of strength, you quote unquote waste the time there because you're not as good, but you also wear yourself out and tire yourself out for when you get to the things that you're good at. So it's almost like a double compounded negative. So you're, you're stacking it mm-hmm. against yourself. So the first big concept is play to your strengths, like identify your strengths and play to them and get other people or processes or automation or help for the things that you're not good at. The second main theme is stay in your green zone. And in shorthand, green zone is positive and red zone is negative. And I'll expand on that further. So if you're in the green zone, you are energetic, you're enthusiastic, you're forward thinking, you feel like you're on your game, you have good ideas, you're contributing well. So all of those things, the interactions with people you have are positive ones. Conversely, if you're in the red zone, you're downtrodden and you're anxious and you're working out of a place of fear and you're spending your time ruminating about the past and what went wrong there or worrying about the future and what might go wrong there. So I work with my clients on green light thoughts. So you think of a a stoplight, green light thoughts make you go forward. So I can do this. I am a valuable member of the team. I have a lot to offer. I'm a creative problem solver and I'm resilient. Red light thoughts, which on a street light make you stop, is I'm a loser. I can't do anything right. I'll embarrass myself. I'll get the answer wrong. Everyone is talking about me. So those types of things. So if you think about where you're spending your time and your mental time and energy, in the purest sense, it doesn't make any sense to have red light thoughts in the red zone. You're wasting your time. You are wasting your time and mental energy spending it there. So there are ways to kind of work yourself out of that and build habits and build awareness around all those things. But that's the second big theme that I like to talk about when managing your time. I'll pause there because I know that was a lot of information and wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. I really love those things. And me personally, I've heard that a lot but I'm sure the people listening may not have heard those things as far as like playing to your strengths, staying in the green zone. I haven't heard that term per se, staying in the green zone, but I really like that because it helps be able to get that visual like you were talking about with the stoplight, being able to do that. But what, what came to my mind was doing those, both of those things helps you be able to be able to get higher levels of focus and energy so that you can be able to stay in that flow state and be able to really accomplish things because you're getting rid of the distractions. Um, to, to me, it's one thing, and it's kind of going along with the traffic light type thing and going in traffic and things like that. When you're in rush hour traffic, you have cars all around you. They're all trying to get in, get out and crossing and trying to, so it light turns yellow and maybe even red, depending on where you live. And they're still trying to go through because they're trying to get that little bit last, last little bit in, but it creates chaos in those areas and as a driver it totally raises that stress as you're going in that situation but if you're in a different 
area and maybe you're going down a country road and there's no traffic and you're just able to just drive and the distractions aren't there the stress levels are so much lower as well i live in the country and so i get to kind of experience both of those as i go in and out of the city and things like that and so that's kind of what i'm seeing visually in my head as you were going through and explaining all of that and so removing all of those things i can definitely see that really helping what would be the next thing that someone can be able to do to be able to help their mindset so they can be able to get to this level? Right. I think just the simple awareness of having this in mind is going to help them. So if you go into your day and into your week and into whatever process you have with this lens on, you'll be able to make decisions that support that. So like you mentioned, I love that highway visual because it reminds me of when I drive to the airport in rush hour, it's craziness. It's back to back, bumper to bumper. It's craziness. If I go and that's during rush hour, if I go at 4 a.m. in the morning because I have an early flight, no one is there. And so it's almost like clearing your highway or clearing the mechanism so you can just go as fast as you can. Mm -hmm. So I think if you have that visual in mind, let me clear the decks, let me clear my mechanism, clear the highway so I can go fast and stay focused and have green light thoughts. I don't have to start and stop. That's going to help you keep you in that good mental space. And the other concept I would tag onto that is one that I talk about in my book and also Greg McCowan in his book, Essentialism, talks about, which is how many things are you putting your energy to? So how many things are are pulling at you or that you're giving your energy to? And there's a great graph and it's a circle. And in one version of the circle, there's 12 arrows going out of it. So you can think of 12 arrows pointing out of the circle and they go a short distance because the arrows represent energy and the circle is you. So you're giving your energy to 12 different things and you can only get so far. If instead you have that same circle and then you only have one arrow, it goes further and you're able to get further, more progress when you, the circle, are giving your energy to one thing. And so keep that concept in mind as well. How many things are you trying to do? Are you okay with only going so far on the 12 things? Or do you want to pick one or maybe two or three and get further on those ones? So I talk to my clients about what is really important. And they'll say, they'll spit out, you know, usually seven or eight or a dozen things. And then I challenge them and say, hey, why are these things important? Do they need to happen now? Is something dependent on the other? Are you trying to do too much? Can someone else help you with this? And we break down all of their initially stated goals. And usually we can get to much, much fewer. And over a series of conversations, talk about it would feel better for you to actually have one, two, three, or maybe one, two punch to go after every single day or every single week for this next quarter. Let's try this see how far you get. We'll look at the results and see which one is better. And Mm -hmm. I've had people get very frustrated and like, oh, no, no, I have to do everything, Emily. And then at the end, they're like, oh, my gosh, this feels so much better. And I got so much more done. So I would keep that circle and arrow analogy. And how many arrows are you putting your energy to? Yeah, absolutely. I love Greg McEwen, his books. And so have you read his newest book, Effortless? It's on my list. Literally, it's on my list for the, the plane ride home. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would recommend bumping that up. That is an excellent book. He also has a podcast as well, where he goes over a lot of these things and it's really, really cool. But yeah, so I'm very familiar with that diagram that you did. And that's so true though. But one thing I thought of though, is that when you look at it, maybe I'll try to see if I can include the image in the 
show note that makes it easier for people that are looking at it but you have all those little arrows that are going out not going very far and then the one arrow that's going super far if you were to take all of the energy that you're putting into all those little things it's not just an addition thing there's multiplication that takes place because like you were saying earlier with the starting and stopping if you don't have to start and stop you get to keep going you go much farther so again kind of like that city versus country if in the city you're stopping all the time because of the stoplights and you can get whatever 250 miles in a gas tank whereas if you're on the highway and you're not starting and stopping you can get 300 miles and so you go much farther being able to put your energy in one direction as opposed to in all kinds of different places and obviously as people i mean we can't just focus on one thing for a day because we have different areas of our life and so we have to just for i mean we have work and family and some different things that we do need to kind of focus on but narrow that as much as we can Absolutely. Yes. And it, this isn't a plug to ignore your family, but <laughs> the, principle, <laughs> the principle holds. But yes, absolutely. Right, see you guys next year. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't talk to your kids. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I really love that the ideas that are coming through here. And hopefully I'll be able to get Greg on here at some point. That'd be amazing. That would be. I reached out once and he was too busy, but <laughs> hopefully we can get him unbusy. It's almost like he's trying to focus in, look at yeah. just a couple things in his life. I don't know but where that anyway, comes so. from. Yeah. <laughs> And so that, that's the one struggle with having a podcast like that, where it's like everything is about focusing and saying no to certain things so you can focus on these few and is that everyone's doing that. And so <laughs> I'm on the outside many times. But anyway, <laughs> you'll get there. You'll get there. Yes. But anyway, so I really love that idea that you're talking about there. I don't remember if you mentioned this phrase during this conversation, but when you first reached out to me, this whole idea that you were talking about here, you mentioned about going from managing time to mastering time. I'm curious as to your thoughts about that. What do each of those mean for you? And is there any more to being able to make that shift? Sure. So managing time to me is what most people are doing or barely doing. They're trying to manage their calendar. They're trying to manage blocks of time, their hours, their schedule, which does have its place. So I'm not knocking that and saying you shouldn't do that. There is another level which is mastering your time, which is where you really practice the mental mindset pieces we just spoke about. And there's much more to go into. But if you really are aware of that and you embrace it and say, okay, I really want to not let the day manage me, but I'm going to take control of my day and my week and where I spend my time. So, And there are sacrifices in that. So it's not easy. It's hard. It's difficult. But people who feel like, nope, I am choosing not to do this, so not to do this one arrow, because I am staying focused on these top priorities. And you feel there's no, I'm trying to describe this, there's not a lot of friction with that decision. Instead, you're like, no, I'm in control of this. It's, it's flowing. Unexpected things will pop up into my life and I react to them and I know where my priorities are and they might have to shift, but you're just calm about it and you are the master of your time. So it's not you being controlled or you waiting for something to happen and having to react to it, you are are calm and you're in control, even if something unexpected comes up. So that's what I mean by going from managing your time and this frenetic, chaotic kind of pace to mastering your time, where you just know what you need to do and you build your day and structure your priorities around that. Hmm. Yeah. And that can be, there's like a fine line between that, it seems, and it's hard to get over some of those fine lines. So I'm trying to my brain is going in several different directions right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
look, I get it. I'm a business owner. I am a busy professional. I get kind of getting sucked up in your day. And there are the tactical and practical pieces that you can and should do to help yourself. And I'm happy to go into some of those. But I do like to talk about just the overarching, how you frame up everything else and what you're using as that lens or framework. Yeah, absolutely. So what are maybe some of the most effective pieces that someone could tactically or practically do to be able to help with this? Right. So one of the easy things is set your top priority for the day. Sometimes my clients have two to three that they write down, but literally at the beginning of their day, before they get sucked up into their inbox, before they get pulled in a million directions, they should know and be able to say to themselves or to a notepad or to me or to someone, what is their top three priorities for that day or week. Sometimes they do it weekly. So if I get nothing else done, I want to get these three things done. And that's most important. And we work on backing into what's most important for them. But they should be able to articulate that. So if you don't know what your highest priorities are, then you're going to get pulled in a million different directions because you've got no North Star, so to speak. So you should be able to have that and write it down or say it to yourself. There is time boxing activities. So set a timer. There's the 25 minutes I've heard is good. And then you take a break. I've heard up to 50. That's what I actually use for most of my long-term projects. I'll set a timer and then I make myself take a break because your brain can focus on something very well for about 50 minutes. And then it usually needs a break. And so work with your body clock on things like that. And then depending on what it is, but on large projects or seemingly overwhelming projects, the most difficult part is starting. And so if you're having trouble just starting on something, I employ mini habits. And that an easy example there is if you want to read more or consume more information by reading more, but you can't sit down and just read a book, you have no time. Commit yourself to reading one page a day. Most of us can say like, yes, okay, Emily, I could read one page a day. That is your goal. That is your mini habit. More often than not, you will read more than one page a day. It's just getting started. But even if you only read one page a day, you can check that off and say, I have accomplished my mini goal and I've accomplished my target for that day. So those are a few. Some others are an accountability partner, which I think you mentioned earlier. So if you have a goal for, I want to get X, Y, and Z done by this Friday, tell somebody about it and then follow up with them and say, hey, Josh, I did X, Y, and Z and it's end of day Friday. Just shoot you a note, no reply necessary. Or you can have someone say, hey, can you check? Can you text me? at like 5 p.m. on Friday and just ask me about X, Y, and Z so you know that someone is going to be following up with you. And then the last one I'll, I'll throw out there is pretty basic, but it does work. Schedule time on your calendar. A lot of business professionals, a lot of entrepreneurs work off of their calendar. They have their head down on their phone saying, what's next? And if what is next is a time block for a certain project or making a certain call to a family member, then that's what they have next. So you literally build it into your schedule and then protect and honor that time. So if someone says, hey, Emily, what are you doing at three on Tuesday? And I look at my calendar and I have it blocked off. Instead of saying, oh, yeah, 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 I can make something work. So you know what? I have a commitment then would Wednesday at noon work instead. And so protect and honor that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking about that, too, because it's easy when we have an appointment with somebody else. We're definitely a lot more likely to honor and uphold that if we have like an appointment at a doctor's office or a meeting scheduled or whatever, or we're meeting a family member at a certain place at a certain time, we're going to honor that because somebody else is there and we feel obligated to do that. But when we have something 
that is important to us and it may or may not involve somebody else, it's easy for us to say, oh, well, I can push that off and I can do this instead. So, so what you're saying is we need to honor and respect ourselves to honor and respect the time that we've set for those things to be able to protect that. Absolutely. And I think too, it can be expanded further. A lot of people go, oh, Emily, that's so selfish. And I say, let's think about that. So if you aren't taking care of yourself and if you aren't accomplishing your goals, what type of person and space are you going to be in when you're interacting with others? And so just keep that in mind. I think a lot of people, they feel guilty because they feel selfish. And I say you're actually serving the people around you better by taking care of yourself and making sure that you're in a good spot physically and mentally and emotionally going into your days and weeks. And just thinking of that, I think we have a double standard with that in some cases in that like when somebody else does that, they honor their time blocks. We don't think anything of it. We're just like, okay, great. They're getting stuff done. We don't judge them for being selfish or anything like that. But when it's on us, we just assume that everybody else is thinking that about us, even though it's most likely not true. So we kind of have that double standard. And so that causes us then to try to change so that we can try to make people happy, even though there wasn't a problem there in the first place. Yes, I see that a lot. When it's happening to us, sometimes we have that spotlight effect where, oh my gosh, they're looking at everything, they're investigating everything and and judging it and perceiving it in a certain way. And really, they're not thinking about it for half of a second. So they're like, okay, he's busy then, cool. And they move on. (laughs) We sit there ruminating about it. They're done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're not too worried. It's like, okay, is he actually doing something or is he just trying to blow me no. So, yeah, they're not usually that concerned about it. It feels like we covered a lot in a very short amount of time. But I think it's very important, as you said, that we first get the that mindset shift in our brain, which doesn't happen overnight. Nope. Is a process. And I think that's something that can be hard for some people, especially people that are high performers. It's hard for them to be able to accept that because they look for results. And if they're not seeing the results they feel like they should have, then they can be down on themselves. But it takes time. It's a process, especially if you have 10, 15, 20, 30 years of doing something, the just managing stuff and just trying to get by and being able to make that shift. It's not going to happen overnight. Like someone that's trying to lose weight, they gain weight little bit by little bit over their life. And then they expect that they're just going to be able to start losing weight and just lose it all over. It it doesn't work. And so it takes time because we have all those different things that we're trying to overcome. So that's one of the things that I'm struggle with sometimes is trying to expect too much too soon and be able to make this transition. That's a good point. And to that, I would say, I would really encourage people to invest in yourself and think about the power of compounding. So if you build these habits up now, where are you going to be in six months, in a year from now, in 18 months, in five years from now? You're going to be flying. If you keep doing what you're doing today and you're still struggling and still in the same spot with it five years from now, you know, you can invest that time or you can waste that time. So yes, it's not going to happen overnight, but in my opinion, it's well worth it. And you've got to come to that conclusion and decision yourself. But I would encourage people to really invest in themselves and ask themselves, you know, where do I want to be? Who do I want to be? And what do I want to be about in one year's time, two years, three years out? Yeah. Yeah. So I love that, that power of compounding. So like, to me, that picture is like interest. So compounding interest, it doesn't seem like much when you look at the initial little bits. Okay. A few cents here, maybe a couple of dollars here, and it doesn't seem like much, but you 
multiply that over time and it starts to really look like something and all of a sudden it's like oh now i'm getting hundreds and thousands of dollars as opposed to just the pennies that it started with so yeah just those little things i think that's really important to be able to keep in mind most people are familiar with that in terms of finance and your 401k mm-hmm. and which is you know somewhat boring to people but i'm like hey look go look at a compounding calendar and someone who is in their 20s who invests a couple hundred or even a hundred a month when they retire they will be a millionaire So just think about that. That's the power of compounding. Your habits today will take you far in even a few years from now. So invest in yourself. And a saying that my dad says to me, which I still still tell myself, is small wins add up faster than you think. So go find your small win today. Small wins add up faster than you think. I had to write that one down. (laughs) I like that. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to be able to really keep this in perspective and hopefully that can help keep us motivated thinking okay yeah it might not seem like much but then if you take a minute to think okay are you at least going in the right direction is it taking you in the right direction that you're trying to go and if that's the case then you know you're making progress and that's a good thing that's very good so if anybody wants to get a hold of you if they want to try to work with you or if they have any questions what would be the best way for them to be able to reach out to you Absolutely. The website is nextlevel.coach. So nextlevel, all one word, dot coach. And you can contact me there. I also have a newsletter you can sign up for and get these helpful tips and tricks and frameworks to your inbox. And then, of course, if you're not ready for any of that, you can just pick up my book. It's called Hacking Executive Leadership, and it has tons of these frameworks and tools and strategies to help with time management and productivity, which is on Amazon and Audible because I know people are busy and all of all of those places books are sold. Excellent. Thank you again for joining us today. Thank you, Josh. It's been a pleasure. This is one of my favorite topics. So thank you very much for having this show and having me on. Make sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast in your podcast player of choice so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions or comments or you want more productivity resources, visit crushingtheclock.com. I would love to hear from you. And I'll catch you on the next episode of Crushing the Clock.